everybody. Thanks for coming out. Amen. Uh, we had another week of typical Missouri weather. It was like warm enough to wear t-shirts yesterday and, and then it, it snowed, snowed today. today. Love it. Um, but thanks for coming out. It's cold and it's, uh, it's a blistery evening. Um, but Valentine's Day is on the way and uh, we can't not talk a little bit about love. Uh, so tonight's topics, two of them are addressing love and we're starting with um, what love meant to us or what we knew about love um, when we were our kids' age. So, All right, so it's an interesting thought to me uh, what you understood about love when you were your kid's age. And so uh, I, I sent that to Tara, and she foolishly approved. <laughs> and so uh, here we are, um, and I'm interested in everybody's opinions and such. So what I did was I, I wrote down my three kids, and essentially, obviously, I know their age, at least-ish, and um, I thought about, so wh what was I thinking about from the standpoint of love when I was Molly's age? Well, by the time I got to 23 years of age, I mean, I, I was ready. You know, I, I was ready to have wife and kids, at least so I thought. I was ready to, quote, unquote, take that next step of maturity and adulthood. And I was basing most, if not all, of my opinion on love on a conversation that I had with my dad at about 16 or 18. And I, I can take you to the exact spot where we had this conversation. And I said, Dad, what is love? And he knew I was talking about between a man and a woman. What, what is it all about? And he, he issued this word, commitment. That if, he said, if I had to boil it down to one word, it would be commitment. And, and I thought, yeah, that, that's pretty good. So at 23, I'd say that's about where I was at. Uh, Benjamin, it was more of a feeling. A love was a feeling that I desperately wanted to experience. Me and Benjamin have this thing going on right now. When, when the subject comes up and we start talking about it, you know, loneliness or whatever, we'll break it. I want to know what love is. <laughs> you know, and we'll, we'll have fun. Me. <laughs> <laughs> or if we see... If we see someone chasing, you know, someone, <coughs> I want to know what love is. And then Tony, <clears throat> blonde hair, blue eyes, and certain specific physical oh features. <laughs> That's what it was. That's what it was. Because I was, to some degree, a latchkey kid. My mom and dad were both working, so when I got home, it was the TV that took care of me. And I pretty much, based on what they were showing me, yeah, that's what I'm looking for, you know, type thing. Um, and praise God, uh, the Lord delivered me from that. Uh, but I, I, th So th there's my contribution to this particular segment, Gavin. You, I, mine telescopes right out of your experience. My uh, entire, uh, we're talking about then, right now. Absolutely. Right now. We're, that's the next was, segment. Uh, anything that was in a country and western song from 1970 <laughs> to 1985. Shoot, I shouldn't have taken a drink. <laughs> <laughs> my idea of oh, my ex. Oh, I have to interject because it's too good to not use this example. But um, when John and I were first married and he had this like stack of CDs, like a huge amount of CDs, and we're flipping through them and I found depressing country music volume two <laughs> and it was written on there and I go so there's a depressing country music volume one and he's like well you know when one of my buddies would get their heart broken we just listened to depressing <laughs> country music volume one and two. Yeah, two. Yeah. Tony and I would go to Waffle House and put several quarters in and just listen to Wailing. Oh yeah <laughs> actually I think I have one of them like she's the Queen of my tra double wide trailer. Does that sound right? Yeah. Is that yeah, that's? I think that's accurate. That was that's on there. That's depressing. That's just terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it was, was just one wonderful scene after another in yeah. my mind. You yeah. Know. Uh, she thinks my tractor's sexy. Oh, yeah. I mean, just one wonderful. Like my women, little on the trashy <laughs> side. Oh yeah. Oh boy. Oh, I'm boy. playing that at my wife's uh, 25th anniversary. All right. <laughs> so uh, the my favorite song, George Jones' depressing country songs, is. Uh, I put a golden band on the right left hand this time. Mm -hmm. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Okay, so continue. Oh, that's 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 that was it. Anything Jeff? you could hear in a country well, song, uh, that was my idea of love. Now, I'm clearly going to be the mature one in this segment. Here we, here we <laughs> go. So. We're running the gamut because my kids are both older. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I'm basing it at Leah's and Absolutely. Jeff's age. 
been through a divorce. Love is a dirty word. It's a four-letter word, and I wanted nothing to do with it. Right. And I said, Miss, Mrs. Wright's out there. She can find me in a trout stream or a duck blind. And that, was what I, that was how I lived. And I was, because I was basically single from the time I was 21 until I met Loretta at 28. There you go. Didn't date anybody else in between. I was. So which was it? Was it a trout stream or a duck blind? <laughs> a blind date. A Never blind date. Said yes. Uh, <laughs> it was my one and only blind date. Met her Friday. Basically asked her to follow up, marry me the following Monday. We got married six months later. Amen. We've been married 28 years now, so Amen. I guess it was the right one. Amen. <laughs> well, you know what's funny, Jeff? Jeff's the guy that always, anytime we'll be talking and and I'll say, oh, it's no rush. And Jeff will say, well, I'm not getting in a rush. Last time I got in a rush, I got, I got married. married. <laughs> <laughs> Tara? Well, I was thinking when, yeah, when I was my children's age, I wasn't thinking about love that much. Right. I, like, I didn't think about love. Um, Sadie's three. And I heard someone once say that kids spell love, T-I-M-E. And I'm sure that's where I was. Um, because I can remember my mom was always busy and I would say, um, you know, can, will you just play with me tonight? Well, can, can you just play with me? You know, and uh, Sadie's the same way, like, play with me, play with me, play with me. And that's, like, love to her right. is time. Um, and I have to, I, I think that she doesn't think of love or, or, you know, she said something tonight at dinner along the lines of the boy said, What'd you, why didn't you go to school today, Sadie? And she goes, I stayed home with Daddy because he loves me. Ooh. And she actually said that. And I didn't think of it until now, but I, that's how they spell <laughs> love is in time. And the boys are 12. Um, so for love, I think, you know, at 12 years old, it's like, I love pizza. I love video games. I love being with my friends. And I think they have a general idea of they see us, we're in love. And, and they say, you know, little cheesy things like, don't, you know, kiss, hug, and sit yeah, on right. the, you know, it's not, all gross. Not not sick. Yeah. Um, but I don't know that at their age they think about love greatly yet. Um, I think they know they're loved. Um, I don't. And as a kid, I never had to think about, am I loved? Do my parents love me? I knew they loved me. Right. Um, I wasn't starved for love, and some kids don't have that. But as my experience, and I feel like my children's experience, is that they know they are, they're loved. So I don't know how much time they spend thinking about it, if, if any at all. Um, but that was my thought on what love was like to me when I was my children's age. Very good. If you have uh, an interesting thought along those lines, uh, you've got Tara's number or mine. Text it in. Did this is going to be a short sh segment. Did you ever see the, um, the, or hear the song by Don Williams, Country Bumpkin? I think it was Don Williams say, sang it, Country Bumpkin. Mm -hmm. Frost has gone down from the pumpkin is the kind of the last verse. He, he basically uh, enca encapsul encapsulates life. He walks into this cafe, sees this waitress, falls in love immediately, and uh, asks her to marry him shortly thereafter, and she calls him Country Bumpkin. And then as the song goes on, you know, uh, Frost is new on the pumpkin. Frost is gone now from the pumpkin, you know, just, and then, the, you know, it, as life goes on. Songs like that fed my idea of love. The problem was that Denise was not into the country and western genre. Caused well, some you early You couldn't trouble. get her to convert, huh? <laughs> no. What was she into? Uh, monkeys, you know, <laughs> any, so any hey, pop song. Hey, oh my, the first yeah, boy huge, band. Huge, huge monkeys fan. Um, no, wait. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. We're going to spend a Go little time digress, picking this one apart here. <laughs> Does that explain some of the reasons she fell in love with you? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that probably stacked the cards in my favor. There you because go. Because I pretty much act, I, I, it was a, in my a high school, senior year, it was the, the class was so conflicted on whether to elect me most likely to succeed or cl class clown. It was so... <laughs> Most likely to, to succeed as, as a class. The class <laughs> and you achieve both. Uh, you <laughs> achieve both. Amen. Um, somebody texted in uh, when they were their kids' age. It wasn't that I understood what love was, but I could clearly see and understood what love was not. Mm. Like fights and anger. Yes. I figured all other times were love mm. between fights and mm. anger. And that is true. Amen. Very good. Very Anybody good. else grew up thinking that they were adopted? <laughs> just throwing strange I, I grew well, up with, told I was. with a couple older brothers and all the stories about them finding me at the trash cans and stuff. Yeah, I thought it for a while. My brother was more than happy to feed that, yeah. that fear that I had been adopted. Oh, yeah. Well, our family was the Cabbage Patch. 
found you in the cabbage patch. Never understood that other than maybe thought I was sour. <laughs> no, um, between like inter-sibling relations, oh my goodness. I mean, I I figured my sister hated me and we hated it, you know, and it was all extremes. Like, sure. I hate you, I wish you were dead. I mean, we would, I, we would really go at it. And um, I think that that is part of watching my twins. It's like they will be laughing and carrying on and then they will be just <laughs> throwing it down, yeah, rolling across the floor. Hair, teeth, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, but... They do love each other, they and do. I think that as you get older, you don't realize how much you do love your siblings. And that never changes, because yeah. we were sitting a couple of years ago, and we were out Montauk, and the brothers, all three of us started getting a heated, Matt, Steve, and I got in this really big heated debate. Well, one of Steve's buddies tried to interject, and it went from us three arguing with each other <laughs> to him being the poor guy that got yeah. between the three brothers, and he's yeah. like, and it's, it, I sat to turn around and laugh and said, well, at least we know we like each other. She's not much right now, but I do like you. And I mean, that's just it. That's, that's sibling. That's did it. your mom and dad ever make you tell you tell each other that you loved them? Did you no, ever? You, you heard my story about what my dad did for discipline. And, oh, boxing, boxing gloves. Boxing, yeah. No, no gloves. Just bare knuckle boxing. <laughs> he just went in the backyard and beat oh. each other. And he, see, that's and guy, a dad approach. Yeah, the sure. guy. Who, well, I'd rather have dad discipline me than mom any day of the week. Mom well, I, see, cool. I made my I made my boys <laughs> hug. I would make them Ooh. stand there and hug each other. Oh man, Awkward. they hate that. And then eventually they'd start laughing. You know, so we had to shake hands. I, I remember him. one time that my mom said, you tell your brother you love him. I said, oh, I'd rather be grounded for a week. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't tell why. Oh. <laughs> we, we get along great now, though. But Like, literally two weeks ago, the boys were you know, before school, and they were just fighting, and oh, my gosh, they were being so mean to each other. And I was like, okay, stop. Say something nice about each other right now. And Tristan's Crickets. like, I, I know, it took a <laughs> Yeah. And then, uh, you know, Tristan finally was like, you're you're a good person, and Jordan's like really thinking hard, and he's like, mm, you have good hair. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Oh, I was like, I'll down. take it. You know what? Okay, let's go to school. Back up. <laughs> All right, so we'll take a break there and uh, do some announcements. Man, we have fun stuff coming up. Friday is our Valentine's dinner. It's a mystery dinner theater whodunit, 1940s theme. If you didn't sign up, I believe it is too late for you. You'll just have to hear about how fun it was next week. Um, for those of you that are coming, that is here in this auditorium, you can already tell it's getting kind of set up for that. It's at 6.30, costume contest. If you don't have something ready to wear, you've got just uh, another two days to figure it out. There is child care if you let them know in advance. Um, and also, it looks like we're having another Bethel men's night at the Gun Shack, adults only. So I guess night one must have gone really well. Went, went really well. No, but yeah, everybody came back. No firearm so accidents. That's no, good. that's good. It's only it's ten dollars. So what a good time! It's at six thirty, uh, February sixteenth. Uh, bring a firearm, ammo, hearing and eye protection. There are some rentals available. So if you're interested in that, see Steve Ross. Um, and then there's also quilting, uh, and that will be here on Thursday, Man, February 9th. So that's next. Uh, that's just tomorrow night <laughs> at five thirty. So that's here. Um, bring material supplies and a machine if you have one. Uh, Tom, you so. got your phone? Okay, I'm sending you a text. And now's the time where we like to do something where we say, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. All right, so I'm going to go back to Sunday evening uh, for the game. I'm just saying it was a great game, the Super Bowl, uh, but I was mad that Brady won. I feel like that he is the poster child for the campaign Evil Wins. <laughs> <laughs> now, with that said, he is a Trump fan, so maybe, just maybe, he's an okay guy. I'm, I'm, I'm keeping it open. I'm no, just, just saying. I had one, but I can't remember what it was. It's a stretch. That may be my... my I'm, I'm just getting older. older. I'm, getting I'm getting older because so. I had an I'm just saying. I can't remember. Well, you're supposed to write them down again. Yeah. I usually put them in my pocket. Well, amen. Here we go. Okay, I'm about ready to hurt some feelings around oh, here. Boy. Oh, boy. Get First your rhinoceros Let me press because I am a huge Cardinals fan, have been since I'm a little bitty boy. But you know what the St. Louis fan hates to hear about us and the New England Patriots? We're both cheaters. Yeah. Ouch. <laughs> and that's I'm based just, on the news that broke last week yeah, about but, the fellow that, that, right. And I said that at work, and a little fat guy with a bad knee was running pretty quick to his truck. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I can tell you. Oh. Take cover. Take cover. I actually that don't know. Sense. What did the Cardinals do? Did we misbehave? One of, the, one of their um, underlings on the, was – Got caught hacking another team's computer system. Ah, okay. And that oh. blew up. He's in federal prison now for oh. 46 months. And so, Ooh. yeah, we're cheaters. Wow. Yep. Even though I love my Cardinals. Um, 
I haven't. I'm just saying it's a visual aid. So uh, I ran into someone I hadn't seen in a while, and he goes, you know, I'm not really going to church, but I do watch it on TV every Sunday morning. And uh, so do you remember Mama's Family? It was one of the few things my mom actually let me watch. And it says, now, Mama, you don't have to go to church to go to heaven. And she said, I can hear her voice in my head. Well, you don't have to wear a parachute to jump out of an airplane either, but it certainly helps. (laughs) I used to love that show. Vicki Lawrence. Yep. Yeah. All right. So our next segment is um, spinning off of love yet again. Uh, Segment one. Segment one. So this is segment two. Uh, What I know about love now and how I am trying to pass that on to my kids. So I I can't speak for anyone else, but, uh, you know, the whole love thing was a traumatic experience for me as far as, quote, unquote, getting it. Uh, I have on one side dad's word commitment, which was very, very good. But then I also have on my side uh, the reality daily of the hormonal urges, the struggles. Uh, I mean, college, uh, a lot of the restraints are gone from the standpoint of no one enforcing them. It's up to me now to enforce them. I'm wrestling with that a little bit. Uh, you know, can't get anybody to show me any interest, you know, so I'm dealing with the loneliness fact of it. And, and so it, it, was a, it was a tough four years, uh, four and a half actually, uh, in college. And, and I, I actually made it out of the marrying school in the BMA. Uh, uh, Central Baptist College was called the marrying school. You go there to find, you know, a, a mate. I, I didn't get it. <laughs> I got my degree without, without a mate. I felt a little, I wanted my tuition back. It didn't happen. <laughs> and so uh, I entered into then now adulthood from the standpoint of getting a job. And, and I still really don't know uh, totally what, what love is. Uh, and so essentially it's been a whole life experience. Uh, body, uh, intellect, spiritually, emotionally, social. So I've come down to this. Um, and I teach this, I preach this, I counsel this. Uh, it's not what the world... In fact, you want to know when you're onto something. Find what makes the world mad. Whatever definition or ideology that makes the world spitting, fighting mad, you've probably got onto something. Choice. Love is a choice. You have to dig deep and make the choice. I'm going to love this person. I'm going to do this. And and yes, that is not necessarily how we quote unquote fell into love. And think about that. Yeah. Hormones. Fa- Hormones. Falling is not usually a positive thing, <laughs> you know. Uh, but the point is, is that even after you've fallen into love, and then when you start to think, well, I'm falling out, you can make the choice to stay in love. And so what I'm trying to pass on and, and teach my kids is, is that, you know, it, it needs to, number one, be a spiritual choice. It needs to, number two, be all of the above. It needs to be an emotional. It needs to be a, uh, an intellectual choice. It needs to be a physical choice. All those things. Because on this side of marriage, you have the choice. One preacher said, if you're not happy with your wife's features, you can't complain because you chose that. Don't complain about what you chose. Man, that's a good word. It it really is. And so uh, once you've made the choice, and my kids can finish this for you, measure or cut, measure nine times, cut once. And they can finish that when you start it. Because on this side of marriage, you have all the right to make your decision. But once you've made your decision and you're going to call it love, then it takes choice to, to stay with it. The greatest part of love is not receiving, but giving. That's the greatest part of love. It is sharing everything. As Dawn and I grow old together, we're learning how to share everything about our life. We, we laugh now at each other more than we ever have. You know, we laugh at things now that we used to get fighting mad over, you know. And it, it's time. We're, we're learning one another. Um, so anyway, that, that's my two cents. Just a telescope over just said giving uh, in, in and you know I'm going through this relationship study that just keeps going on and on and on in my personal um, studies. And one, I, I believe that God designed us for relationship. Once you understand and accept that, you understand a lot of pathology, a lot of 
people who are broken are be broken because of a relationship that was bad, that fed bad things into their, that spoke bad things into their life, into their understanding of, of life. Um, one psychologist said that every addiction is self-medication for a bad relationship, and you can apply that in any areas. Uh, we were made for relationships, and when relationships have fed bad things into us or destructive things into us, we, we have a hard time coming out of that uh, as kids or even as adults. So um, once you understand we're made for relationships and understand that, uh, you can start screening some of the things maybe that came into your life that were negative or not so positive and filter that from your kids and try to find the, the converse for them to feed into them good things. You said uh, giving is more important. I think we crave to, to express love as much as we crave to receive love. Um, and sometimes when you're in a fight, you're frustrated because you can't express love. Well, I can't show her that I love her now. I'm too mad at her. That's right. And she, she's made me mad. I got to show her that she can't get away with that or whatever. So we crave to express love as much as we do to receive it. And I think it's all part of how we were designed for relationship. Um, Brad was sharing with me um, something he said to somebody in quiet or in, in private and trying to express this very thing. God has made with us, us with almost limitless capacity for relationship. He, we have the capacity to remember things when we were, we can remember something someone said to us positive when we were 12. You bet. Um, and we have, a, you know, pe people who do that or have, have done something positive, we remember for the rest of our life. We, we remember those things for the rest of our life. The story of the, the uh, kindergarten class where the teacher said, okay, I want everybody to get out a notebook. And actually, I think she passed out papers with everybody's name on it. And everybody had to write something that they liked about the person in the class. And over half of those kids had those sheets of paper when she met them again. She, a, a large percentage of them, had those pieces of paper uh, when they, as adults, and kept them in their wallet or on the person. It, relationships are important. So <clears throat> in marriage, commitment is the, the bedrock. It's not love. Right. <laughs> I used to think yeah. a, a, Adrian Rogers, has, he has a really good one-liner that I can't remember how it goes, but it's commitment that keeps your love going, not love that keeps your commitment Amen. going. Um, something along those lines. And you learn about sacrifice in, in that when you're committed. There'll be times when y you have to sacrifice things that you felt sometimes were uh, essential to your, your, life, your life as an adult. In uh, Ephesians chapter 5, is that the one with the, um, yes, 525, husbands love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Husbands, if you'll think yourself through that, there is nothing your wife can do to you that you should not endure. Within, I'm talking about. Man, don't tell reason. them that when they're here. Dogs. Yeah, there no men in the next, the next, the next week. Uh, did did Jesus suffer humiliation? Mm. Can your wife humiliate you? Yes, mm. she can. Huh. In, Better than anybody. In a in a sentence, uh, did and sometimes deserve it, sometimes not deserve sure. it. Sure. Uh, and he suffered through the um, the pain of death. He he surrendered everything. And, and when you help your wife understand that this is the, the creed that you operate by, she'll soften. She, she'll, she'll soften and come around. Uh, so, so that verse helped me understand that I can get resources from God that I can't get from Denise mm. to endure things that are, are troubling our relationship. And I'm not, I'm, this is sounding bad about our relationship. <laughs> We've got a great relationship, don't, don't, but uh, we've had 30 years of relationship, right. so we've had some bad times, uh, and we've had some wonderful times, too. So um, when we have the right uh, circumstances, and, I, and there were times and circumstances that didn't resolve, and there will be times and circumstances that don't resolve in your relationship. And the only thing I can tell you, and I felt like there were times in, in our marriage when I felt like this is not victory. This is not victory. I'm not living victorious. And then I realized that I have to, to claim the victorious marriage and life in faith. It, it's okay, I'm just going to assume, I'm just going to, in faith, say I've got a victorious marriage. 
it's got some strange quirks to it that other people would say they've got strange quirks to their marriage also. But, but it's the path that God sent us on as a couple, and in faith, I'm claiming it as victor victorious. And you know, the, the faith that you claim quenches the darts that are coming. Um, so faith, faith is a shield in that regard, too. I'm by faith claiming this is the, the woman, the life, the path that you have for me, God. And, you know, I'm shocked that I'm still alive, <laughs> but I am. And uh, by faith, I'm claiming a victorious family. I'm claiming the same thing for my children in faith. I know that God has a, a wonderful, blessed life for them, whether that's uh, filled with challenges. God's going to bless them. I'm in faith claiming that as victory because we're being faithful to him and gonna, and we're not giving up on a relationship. So th those are, to me, that's been a recipe for success. That, that's been a recipe for success in my relationship with my wife. And, and I've failed miserably many times with my kids. I, I, steep, I keep claiming in faith victory for them, victory for my relationship with them, um, and, and assuming victory. Um, so we should operate from the assumption of victory. So sorry, I've taken way too much time. Jeff? Um, just with, Good stuff, with the kids, I just, with Jeff and Leah, Jeff has started a new relationship with a young lady, and she's an absolute doll, and Leah with Corey, uh, I just have resolved myself to do this when they call me about their first argument, and I did it to Leah. Leah called me and said her and Corey were fighting, and I said, well, don't talk to me, and she goes, what? I said, call your Aunt Mary. She goes, why? I said, find out what. Aunt Mary and Ricky had love so much that she's still single after all these years because mm. she, she'll tell you she cannot find another man to replace her husband and find out what that love is. So what was the important part about that love? And she goes, what are you talking about, Dad? I said, you know what I'm talking about. You are me, Leah. She goes, what do you mean? I said, you don't like losing argument. I mean, come on. She, took, she, she sat there the other day, and her father-in-law and husband were running a chainsaw, and she finally pushed him out of the way. So boys left somebody knows what they're doing to do this. And she cut a tree down with the you two go, boys. Girl. The two boys were sitting there red faces, this little red-headed girl ripping trees down. She says, you bunch of women, and walked away from them. But so I said, you cannot be competitive all the time. Sometimes you have to surrender that you're, I said, and that's what Aunt Mary will tell you, is in a relationship, you're not competitive. Right. You're, in relation, you're relational, not competitive. Don't always have to win. Amen. And uh, that's, that's, that's my point on that. We, at the house, we always say, let the Wookiee win. Yep. <laughs> Let the Wookiee win. You know, that's good stuff. Uh, one thing, uh, Brother Gavin, in your uh, talk there, you talked about the giving and receiving and that the giving is difficult when you feel like you've been wronged. But that's when the relationship becomes toxic. Because what, what you don't realize, even, even though, I mean, you can see it when you're on this side of it, you've effectively allowed the offense to cut off your love. Mm -hmm. Well, the only thing that's left then is hate, and that's toxic. And so you go ahead, you make the choice, and love, and give, and, and you know, sooner or later, uh, you, you'll work through that situation. You may even have to set a time to do that. But the reality is, is, is that if you allow the devil, the world, or your flesh to cut off the giving, you're in a toxic relationship, and it's going to spiral. You know, doesn't get any better. No, it, it doesn't. It doesn't. And, and that's where Leah's at. Yeah. You know, uh, and I'm sure it's, and y'all, I mean, if we were forced to say, well, what was that argument about? I don't know. You know, something stupid. Uh, and and she'll, they'll get through it, and that's wonderful. Uh, so did she call Mary? What? No, she figured it out when I got done. No, <laughs> no and, and I told her, I said, you know, I said, but I told her, I said, look at your grandparents. Look at your, look at your aunts. Look at your your aunt Mary marries a man so much that she loves so much she, she doesn't even ever want to think about getting remarried. Right. My mom was the same way. My dad passed away, and my mom stayed single for 27 years. Just then I always said, Mom, we'll find another guy. Nobody will replace your dad. I'm like, that's pretty cool. And, I, and then, you know, Uncle Steve's been married 30-something years. I, mom and dad are approaching 28. I said, look at the longevity of our relationships. Don't think we didn't have problems, but it's how we got through the problems. And you have I said, Leah, and I'm, and I'm being honest with her. I said, because she is a little me. She, uh, Jeff's, Jeff takes after mom or Leah's me. She's not going to back down from anything or anybody. I said, if you love him, sometimes you're just going to have to not, not surrender, but come to an understanding that, you know what, give me some time. Let's think about what we're talking about, and then come back and talk adult, not anger. And 
She said, I can do that. I said, yeah, okay, let's see. Because <laughs> she is me. <laughs> Tara? Um, I took a different approach, but I did have to share the story um, just thinking about, you know, my grandfather that just passed away. And his story, um, my grandmother was very sick uh, at a young age. She was like maybe 60, which I feel is young to get this sick. No doubt. Um, and she ended up losing... Uh, her left leg and then her right leg and then her left arm, um, complete amputations. And he and the, I was really young, so my most of my memories is of Grandpa taking care of Grandma. I have almost no memories of her being healthy and walking and doing anything. I remember her being very sick, being on the couch, and then eventually in a hospital bed in the living room. And he would not let anyone else take care of her, wouldn't let a nurse come in. He bathed her, he helped her with the bedpan, he cooked every meal, he took her, I mean, he, he very, uh, a man's man, and he cared for her in such an unbelievable and tender way, and um, I mean, you talk about sickness and in health, for a man to care for his wife in that level, I mean, it's just, I don't even know, I don't even know if, I'd like to think that I would do that, that we would all do that for yeah. our spouse. But, to, I mean, every day, 24 hours a day, day in and day out for, you know, it was a couple years like that. That's love. Um, yeah. And I can still remember whenever she passed away, we'd go stay with Grandpa all the time to keep him company. Mom was mm -hmm. always like, oh, go to your grandpa's. And he would just, I could remember seeing his shoulders shaking because mm -hmm. he was crying walking through the living room. And mm -hmm. he's like, oh, honey, I just miss Mama so much. And uh, that that was love. That was a level of love and commitment. Because we would think, well, there, you've been released. Yeah. Like, and, and man, his thought you've was all not. I didn't want to be I, released yeah, from that. Right. Mm. Um, mm. So, so that's like a love I want to aspire to, that kind of. But you're right. You've said it, you've said it all um, as far as in relationships with your family and with your children. Like I said, with kids, I have learned that love is T-I-M-E. Mm -hmm. um, and that's hard to do when you've got a pile of them and a job and a spouse and commitment and then your spouse love is also t-i-m-e and, <laughs> and and respect and um, a lot of things that tie into that and just trying to balance all those things uh, is the challenge for sure but I was just thinking um, when you said what we've learned about love and um, I'm just going to go to Matthew chapter 22, where Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Um, and I can remember doing a Bible study on this not too long ago where it's easy to love the people you like. It's really, really hard to love people you don't like yeah. and to teach your children to love people that you don't like. Because um, sometimes it's hard enough to love the people you love. <laughs> and I'm just to be totally honest. Um, so that, to me, is is the challenge, is to love, and what does love look like towards who is your neighbor, and your neighbor is everyone, um, and what does that look like and sound like. And um, Your husband or, or wife can be your neighbor. Yeah. 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 Uh, have you ever heard someone say, well, I didn't sign up for this? Oh, yeah. You know? Well, I'm sorry. In marriage, there isn't anything you didn't sign, sign up, up for. It's true. Uh, and now, granted, Amen. you may have had one of these new age weddings where they didn't say for better or worse. But, you know, uh, hopefully they still say that at weddings. We got two texts in. Brian uh, says love is fairly simple. First thing to realize, it is a daily choice. Next thing, when you meet someone whose needs mean more than your own mm -hmm. is love. That's good stuff. And then... Uh, Tom uh, writes in, I had a friend who had a terrible fight with his wife just before bed. They went to bed angry, which is uh, unbiblical, but we've all done it. Uh, <laughs> he woke cold, sweating, and in conviction, prayed while looking at his sleeping wife, crying. He told me he heard God tell him, what if I don't allow her to wake up? Those words shook me. And, and that's the reality is, is that you know, we hardly ever mean what we say, uh, but the bottom line is, is we do say it. Uh, too many times, and so it's extremely, I, you know, I, I got this phrase, torture yourself with the consequences, hmm. you know, and, and, and none of us want, and, and I've told my wife, one of my biggest goals, that God forbid if I have to stand before yours or any of my kids' caskets, is to be able to stand there with as few regrets as possible. Yeah. Hmm. When I was young, I would yeah. say no regrets. Well, yeah. too late, yeah. too late, as few regrets Amen. as possible. Amen. Amen. Ben, I got a saying that yeah. I'm going I'm to put down in, uh, Listen to what I'm saying, because when I say this, I offend a lot of people. 
but this is this is how nothing new for Jeff, right? Yeah. Don't let but, that stop you. But this is but this is how I feel about my wife. My wife is not my best friend because I'll never put her in that low of class. She's so much more important than that. Amen. She's my wife. Amen. She she's not a she's not a person I go hang around for two or three hours and buddy up and go hunt and fish. You know, my best you friend. Want to I, hang out? Yeah, yeah, go hang out. He, but, he would not want me to hunt or fish. <laughs> but my wife, but my, you know, Terry, you talk, laugh about that. Loretta's not a fisherman. She, she thinks it's the dumbest thing in the world. But when we were young and married, she would sit there and take a lawn chair and walk down the stream of Montauk, and she'd go to the bend, and she'd watch me come down, and she'd watch me go past. She'd move her chair again just because she knew that's what I liked to do, and she'd sit there and cross just the whole time I did that. She'd move that chair for two miles down that stream. And that said, my best friend wouldn't do that for me, but my wife would. Yeah, that is my yeah. idea of fishing. That's yeah, that's what good. she does. She, just, she says, she, well, I think she did a lot. I drown myself, so she just makes you come <laughs> an eye on me. <laughs> Amen. Adrian Rogers used to say about kids, you say they went all the way. Uh, he said, you don't, you don't even know what all the way is. You know, they, that, that was the term they had for premarital sex. Premarital yeah. sex, they went all the way. And he gave good examples, but I always think of John and Joyce Hoff. Now your grandpa, grandpa he went all the way with his wife. Uh, Jack and Vanita Powers went all the way. I mean, when you talk about all the way, that's mm -hmm. from the the vows to the passing of one or the other. Um, so that just put a, a capsule on that. Um, re really loving someone, you you go all the way. You go right <coughs> to the end with them. We're doing really good on time. So uh, I was looking for Randy. Julie's Randy here. Okay. So uh, well, now we can make perfect. Fun of him. Right. right <laughs> perfect. I. Uh, as you all know, uh, eight years ago, spent a little stint in the hospital with a broken hip. And so uh, Randy's workplace was literally next door to the rehab. So he called me up one day. He says, hey, can I bring you lunch tomorrow? And I said, sure. And uh, he said, I'll bring you. And this, I found this place. They make dirty wings. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. That, <laughs> that said, should no, have no. been a clue right he, there, He bro. said, dirty wings means <laughs> is that they fried them twice. So, so they, they, you know, run them through the egg, run them through the flour, they fry them, they run them through the egg, they run them through the flour again, they fry them again. That's what and your healing body needs, Yeah, and too. I said, yeah. bring them, man, bring oh, yeah. them. So the next day, she, and of course, you understand that with a broken hip, at this point, I am completely dependent upon someone else for every biological function type thing. And so for the next two days, well, my wife... They to say on what you eat. Yeah. <laughs> so the next two days, my wife is paying... Uh, homage, if you will, to these dirty <laughs> wings. And so she came out of that situation swearing to Randy that if Julie ever gets into incapacity, <laughs> she's going to bring her some dirty <laughs> wings. Oh, but, but I've told people, you know, that my wife fulfilled her vows, you know, during that time. Unbelievable. Yeah. That next Valentine's gift was a doozy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So. Yeah, let's end on that. <laughs> Has that suit? He did. All right. Was that yeah. a pun? Let's yeah. end on that. Yeah. <laughs> right. Not no pun intended. Um, so just some things to look ahead to. As always, um, we have a lot going on. It seems like all the time. Um, the Bethel Easter Walk is going to be April seventh through the 9th. So make plans for that already. The dress rehearsal will be April fifth. Um, Bethel Homecoming, looking ahead, will be March. Uh, excuse me, May twenty first. And Vacation Bible School is going to be June 4th through the 8th. And Jesus Camp is already on the calendar for July 16th through the 22nd. So um, start praying for those things now. If nothing else, um, uh, if you can or cannot attend or what, uh, whatever the case may be, certainly not too early to pray about that. Um, and also the Camp Colorado, they have that. If you're planning on going to Colorado as a group for a very affordable family vacation to the Rocky Mountains, that's going to be July 7th through the 15th, and the next informational meeting will be March 4th in and, town. And, and the time has been changed from 10 to 12 instead of like One 3 to, three, to 1. Yeah. Yeah, so 10 to 12, and that's at the St. Clair Burger King. Um, and now we'll do a little thing we like to call, I know I'm getting older because so easy to say. If you have something you that you experienced and you want to text it in, please do, because it's always hilarious. Uh, do you have an I'm getting older? I do. Uh, it is getting harder. We've been doing this now for about three months. I've, I've ran out of most of my psychoanalysis or whatever. I know I'm getting older because when I come across a problem, I'm less motivated to fix it because it becomes a roadblock or an excuse to just sit down. <laughs> <laughs> when I, you know, 20 to 40 is like, all right, man, I'm going to attack this yeah, problem. Yeah. Now it's like, Oh, heck with it. <laughs> Time for a nap. Yeah, yeah. It's, that's exactly right. Don't have to buy a new one. <laughs> right, yeah, gonna buy a new one. Oh, mine is, a, and I don't know if anybody else, I may have already shared this a little bit, but 
I, I just despise to do the routine stuff anymore. Like, and, and don't take this the wrong way. Like getting dressed every day. You got to get dressed. You got to get dressed every day. Every. You got to brush your Praise teeth the Lord. twice a, twice a day. You got to wash your hair twice well, once well, a day. <laughs> once usually, a month. That, that doesn't take that much Pretty time. Pretty short for you, yeah. But I, I was figuring out, I, I've brushed my teeth like over 50,000 times. It's no wonder I'm tired of brushing my teeth. I do. I, I brush my teeth twice a day. After I'm, man, I hate it. I just can't wait to get it over with. For the clothes. For the clothes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's... So <laughs> that's take what, notice of the note there, guys. Inspiration we, I need that. you to fill out that paper that Brother Tom just gave that's to on, you. That's on WIDA, Tom. On WIDA. It's on WIDA Road. Weed yeah, because yeah. my sister's yeah. farm runs around it. Yeah, Thomas is acting like he know, doesn't, doesn't know, where, know it's where, where it's at. The 40-acre club. <laughs> okay. I just got it. Oh, yeah. I know. Yeah, we, guess you know, we hunt like, right there. Oh, boy. You know, well. <laughs> I have um, received in like uh, brochures. Somebody oh, yeah. brought brochures. <laughs> I think those are selectively given. And I've never gotten one of those. you got to get an invitation. I'm and not, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to be honest, not to be <laughs> rude, but the people that were giving out the brochures were the exact reason why I don't really ever <laughs> want to go there. I was like, flight pass. Yeah. Thanks, though. Thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> okay. You guys all know the memory thing I'm going through right now. Well, I, you know you're getting older when you're leaning against your work truck and you're looking for your car. <laughs> I was leaning against my 30,000-pound truck. I said, where did I park my car? Oh. <laughs> you know, you know wow. <laughs> or you walk around the house looking for your glasses like this. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I can't even find it. I've lost three pair of glasses in the last month. <laughs> yeah. I don't know where they are. So uh, two elderly gentlemen are sitting on a park bench at the uh, you know, long-term care facility, and a woman that's a part of the long-term care facility decides that she's going to streak. And so she takes her clothes off and runs across the two guys sitting on the park bench. And the one turns to the other and says, what was that? And the other says, I don't know, but whatever it was, it needed ironing. <laughs> oh, man. And my favorite that joke is along a, those lines. That's a dad joke. <laughs> that's right? a dad's dad joke. Dad I joke. think I have heard that from my dad, yeah. actually. Um, oh, I love it. I know I'm getting older because at, you know, at work, where we spend so much time, we're like the older people in the group now, and we'll reference like a movie line or a song line, or and they'll look at us and like, "What's that from?" Yeah. And I like this week, and I go, "Really? A League of Their Own?" You don't? And they're like, "No, I don't think I've seen it." I'm like, "Tom Hanks, the the girls' baseball movie?" No, I don't know. I'm like, "Really? Oh my gosh!" I was like, "I'm we, a, we, uh, I'm old." Made a list of to watch movies for our kids, yeah, to, so yeah. that they know what the American jargon is, yeah, you know, what yeah. it, where, where it's from. All right, so our final topic tonight is on fasting. Um, plenty of questions surrounding that, starting with what is fasting, why fast, how to fast, so, reasons to fast. Amen. Um, in the Bible, uh, fasting is, is pretty straightforward from the standpoint of uh, it's an abst abstinence from food um, and, and such. Jesus went on a 40-day fast. Uh, th that has always been considered the creme de la creme, if you will, uh, of a fasting experience. Um, I, I have never done that. I'm at a medical point with being diabetic that I will probably never do that type thing. Um, with all that said, uh, when we got here uh, as a youth uh, director slash music leader, um, Brother John and I did a few fasts. We, did a, we invited the church to join us. And we had some prayer vigils and things of that nature. Had, had an extremely positive experience with that. Um, fasting, essentially, again, biblically, is uh, you clearing your normal schedule of eating and giving that time to a particular prayer need, uh, whether it is a personal issue or a family issue, work issue, National issue, thank you, Brother Tom, and the such. And so uh, so what I did, and I'm not going to, there's a ton of stuff here, but I'm, I'm fixing to throw it to the rest of the panel. But um, I would encourage you to go to, it used to be called Campus Crusade for Christ, now it's called CRU, C-R-U. It's, um, help me with the name of the man, Bill. Bill Bright. Bill, it's something. Bill Bright. Bill Bright, that's Bill Bright. it, Bright. Uh, he is quintessential 
uh, go-to guy on this area. He did at least one, if not several, 40-day fasts. And, and he gives, I mean, I've got it right here in front of me, but it would take me the next 20, 30 minutes to read it. Uh, the seven basic steps to successful fasting and prayer, how to begin your fast, while you fast, breaking your fast, a final word, how to experience and maintain personal revival, six vital questions about prayer. Got all that stuff right here. It's just easily accessed. And so I would encourage you, if, the, if you are truly interested in the topic of fasting, and let me say this, every Christian should be to some level because sooner or later you're going to come face to face with a situation that you think, this is beyond me. I, I, got, no, I got no answers in front of me. Nobody that I know has, has answers for me. And so you are compelled to seek the Lord the way you've never sought Him before. We're calling it these days maximum prayer effort. And, and I would say that maximum prayer effort is just one step away from fasting. And uh, I'm going to tell you that it, it, we're in a national crisis right now. Uh, that, that diabetic or not, we may need to just you know go on our face before the Lord uh, and, and seek Him for, for these things that are, that are facing us. But I'm always reminded, and then I want to throw it to you guys, I'm always reminded of, you know, somebody say, well, 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 do we really need to do that? And my response to that is when they came to Jesus after they tried to cast out some demons of someone, and they basically got whooped. And Jesus said, these type can only be removed in much fair, prayer and prayer and fasting. fasting. There we go. Uh, you knew what I was trying to say. And so uh, it, it is absolutely still needed. I think of moms and dads going through situations with their children. It's a time to fast. Uh, a financial reversal, a health reversal, maybe a time to fast. Uh, a marriage problem, uh, a work problem, maybe time to fast. I encourage you to, to seek that out. And some, and, and seeking spiritual clear, uh, clarity, uh, repentance, and t the times of repentance that you need to, to clear the slate with God. Um, uh, th th those are... The nation of Israel did that um, in Numbers 29, 7, Judges 20, 26, uh, 1 Samuel 7, 6, as, as times of repentance and appointed times of repentance. Uh, those are scriptural references for repentance. Um, when seeking answers, Brother Ben was saying, Daniel sought uh, an answer from God on the captivity of the nation of Israel, and God gave him an answer. Actually started sending a, an angel to give him the answer 21 days uh, he was 21 days into that prayer vigil when the answer finally arrived. Um, Jesus, at the beginning of his ministry, went in to seek visual, uh, spiritual clarity with the Lord. Anna, at the birth of Christ, she had been praying and fasting for God to reveal to her his plan in Israel um, before Christ was born. Um, and then um, in this... Uh, Spiritual preparation that we, we talked about also, and Moses was also um, went into a fast before God gave him the Ten Commandments. Times of grief are also times of uh, fasting. David's grief over Absalom's death. Uh, if you remember, Absalom, uh, his general um, Saul killed uh, Abner, and David went into a time of grief over Abner's death and declared a fast. Um, the sailors, when you're fearing death and you're seeking God's assistance, Acts 27, the sailors went into it, automatically went into a fast. At the end of that, Paul said, you need to eat something so, because we're going to have a little swimming to do here in just a second. Um, and then David, at the death of his first son, Bathsheba, wouldn't take food, wouldn't wash um, after he had sinned with Bathsheba and he was uh, in seeking God's mercy for the, for the life of the child. Uh, which, of course, we know God didn't do that. Um, it was a, a part of the, um, the punishment for David's sin. So, so those are all times of fast. And I just want to point out that God, is, that, that Christ in his walk assumes that we will fast. Um, and this is Matthew six sixteen. Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward." What they get from men, from what they're, you know, the the act that they're putting on, that applause that they get, that's it. Um, but I, I think fasting is when you do it properly. People don't know that you're fasting, just as when you're praying for, about something. Um, in verse six, he says, "But when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut the shut thy door, pray to the Father which is in secret, 
and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Um, so fasting and pray, praying, I think, go hand in hand. You, you don't want to make a big show of it. Or if you do, that's all you got. You, what, you know, whatever you, response you get from the people around you, that's the reward. So when you fast, you don't go out with your friends to eat and say, oh, I'm fasting. No. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just on a personal experience, the only time I have ever fasted is when I came to Bethel. I was at a point where I was done with the church I was going to. I didn't know where to go to. And a good friend of mine who went to that church said, Jeff, fast. He said, just do a fast. He said, get down on your knees, break yourself, just humbly fast. And it ended up being a seven-day fast that I fasted to make my decision to leave that church. Because that's, you know, your, your family. You're leaving a family. Amen. And when the time was up, I had peace that I was leaving. And by that time, the Spirit had told me, go to Bethel Baptist Church. And Ben knows I came in here for one visit and stayed for how many years now? I mean, it was that hey, kind of... get rid of him. So, so the Spirit <laughs> led me here for a reason. Amen. And that's... And, Amen. And that's, I guess that's my point on it. When you're doing it, you're not doing it to, it's not a grandiose, it's a humbling. I mean, I was to the point where I was either going to give up faith and just go back to being the old Jeff or else I was coming to find a church where I could, where I could serve the Lord, and I found this. Amen. So that's where I'm at. Do you remember, Jeff, when you uh, came, I, I can't remember if it was the first conversation, but because but we, we had a few during that time, um, you, you said, you know, I, I know I, I can't, won't be, uh, you know, a preacher, pastor, or a deacon, but I want to serve. Yeah. I, I want to be used. And I said, well, as soon, soon as something opens up, and it, I don't know how long after that it was that you started teaching, uh, and, and you always make the joke that you, you you volunteered to fill in, and then you, yeah. you know, six years later, you, you it was, it was a three else. It was a three-week fill-in, and six years later, I was, right. I was still doing it, so I guess That's it was the way we rule, though. And then that yep. led to an education director, so yep. on and so forth, so amen. Uh, yeah, I remember this conversation, because actually that's when we had sat down, you and I had sat down, and I, you had told me about the divorce thing, and I started researching that, you know, sure. since I was divorced, I could not serve as a pastor or a deacon. You know, I can preach. Absolutely. I can preach, but I cannot serve as a pastor, nor can I, nor can I serve as a deacon, and we were talking about it, so I said, I need to be able to serve this church somehow. And about two, three days later, you say, hey, Brother Kid needs a teacher in that class over there. <laughs> I said, oh, there we go. Amen. So that's what I ended Amen. up. Amen. Um, so how do you know how long to fast? Or you hear different things like fasting during certain hours or time. Like how, how is that determined? So uh, essentially, um, through the Holy Spirit, if, if you feel led to fast, then some further direction is going to come as you seek the Lord. Uh, and, and, you know, I think sometimes that, that we took, put a little too much emphasis on, quote, unquote, the mystical leadership of the Holy Spirit. Uh, because the leadership of the Holy Spirit is not mystical. Uh, he gave us this whole book here, you know. And so you get in there, you go hungry, and you seek the Lord. A direction will come whether it's a day or a week or, or whatever the case may be. And I'm going to tell you, if you're anything physically related to, to me from the standpoint of you got some issues, you need to seek some uh, professional direction. Uh, in other words, a diabetic does not need to fast without some professional direction. Uh, even hypoglycemic, you probably need to seek some professional direction. If you are healthy, and, and a lot, if not most of us are type thing, then you're going to be able to handle a, a one to seven day fast without a whole lot of trouble. It's just going to simply be your, your desire to eat. And again, I don't, you know, I don't think personally fasting should be something that you see as, oh, this is the uh, spec ops of uh, Christianity, so I'm going to do it because I consider myself a Navy SEAL of Christianity. It's not an end. It's either. not that, no. right. It, fasting is a, a tool it is ammunition. It is a way to battle the spiritual issues that are going on in your life. And so it, it's a further seeking of the Lord. And I say it again, you're simply replacing the things that you would normally do. Because I don't fast from food anymore. I may fast from TV. I may fast, you know, fill in the blank. And, and so when you would do that normal activity, you're consecrated praying. And consecrated means you separate yourself just to pray. And Tara, it's because I put a human time limit on it. I'm going to fast for 72 hours. That, that was my thing. I'll, for this, Because sure. it started on Friday. I was going to fast through to Monday morning and have my decision. Well, the Holy Spirit doesn't do it all my time. Right. And I went through and didn't plan for it. And I went through work and everything. I mean, it was just, but 
when I got to that point after about 48 hours, it was like it became a constant. It was just my prayer life and being in the scripture and just reading and reading. What am I supposed to do? What, what is Jeff Adams supposed to do for his family by the leader of the Holy Spirit to make sure I stay a Christian? Because I was, I was getting ready to hit out the door. I was, I was done with Christianity, right. and I was done. So I said, something's got to happen. And being a new diabetic when this actually happened, I sat there, and my buddy kept an eye on me. He says, dude, I'm going to stick your finger two or three times a day to make sure you're keeping your blood sugars okay. And the funny thing was, my blood for sugar for that week never fluctuated uh, between 120 and 145. It stayed solid. Mm-hmm. I went back to eating, and it shot way up there again. <laughs> so there we go. <laughs> so Bill Bright says, before you fast, decide the following up front. How long will you fast? One meal, one day a week, several weeks, 40 days. And he says in parentheses, beginners should start slowly, building up to longer fasts. The type of fast God wants you to undertake, such as water only or water and juices, or what kind of juices you will drink and how often. So in other words, you should never take a total fast, which excludes water. You've got to have water. Uh, what physical or social activities you will restrict, uh, how much time each day you will devote to prayer and to God's word. So those are the things you have to have decided before you start to have direction. Have you ever asked the church to fast as oh, a body? Yeah. Absolutely. I'm trying to remember the last time we did it. We... we, we we fasted uh, as a church. Uh, was it for the complete the square? Was that for, what it was for? I was fairly new last time. Complete, help, help me. Com- so this building, oh, oh building, yeah, yeah. To, to enter into this, yeah, pr- probably. Um, no, because you've done it since I've been <laughs> here. Yeah, we've done it. Yeah, I, I can't remember why, but, but we've done it. If, if something, you know, is facing us as a nation or as a church, I will. It's usually not very long, you know, uh, and I have what I've done, kind of like the MPE, I'll say within this week, pick a day or at least a meal to fast and just make this prayer concern your, you know, situation. And uh, so, but guys, we are completely appreciative. We don't have a Bible study without you. We, we just don't. And you guys have been faithful this year. You're faithful every year. Uh, and we appreciate it. We appreciate you sending in topics. I do apologize. The fasting topic has been submitted forever. I apologize. Uh, that That's not how I like to operate, but sometimes it happens. But please, and, and if there's another topic, you've, you've presented it before and we didn't get to it, present it again. Uh, it, it not, to my knowledge, we've never said no to a topic. We get there eventually. That, that's exactly right. Um, and uh, when you were talking... Um, I, I thought, man, that'd make a great topic. But oh, the have we dis- we've discussed the whole um, quote unquote divorce situation with pastors mm-hmm. and deacons, haven't we? We've discussed that. But th- that might make a good topic someday. But also, I wonder if we ought to do uh, how to leave a church, B- because I, I have a humble opinion on that. I personally believe that if you can't come before the church and say, "I love you." I feel called to go to another fellowship. Don't know which one, or if you do, tell us. But I just want to say thanks for all the times that we've been here. Then, then you need to really pray that through type thing. I'm not saying that that has to happen or it's wrong as much as that's how I would like for you. God forbid, if, if God leads you out of here, I'd rather find that out right here than at Walmart or, you know, or, or, or three months later. Well, where is so-and-so? You know, what, what happened to that type thing? And, and so... Uh, and hallelujah, we haven't experienced a lot of that. Pr- praise God. But sometimes it happens. And, and, and you know, we, we all want to consider ourselves as mature adults, and we got our big boy and big girl pants on type thing. And so, and especially if it's an issue, then, then man, that gives us an opportunity to deal with it. Well, just to answer your question, how to leave it, when I left that church, it was on good terms and friendship and family still. And in all actuality, I don't remember, but about two months later, I took a Sunday off from here because I had obligated myself to preach when that pastor was gone because they let the lay preach. And I went back and actually filled in that preaching duty that I promised them and I would Amen. do because God, because I was committed to that through the Holy Spirit. Sure. And it was one of the most wonderful things. And to find out the pastor didn't go out of town, he stayed around and listened to me preach. So Look at there. we settled on friends. It's just I couldn't. Things happened, and I just couldn't. Sure. I had to change fellowships Amen. because they didn't have the family outreach like this has. Amen. Yeah. And, and, and that is a reality. The, the reality is that sometimes that happens, and and not a bad thing but I think too many times 
we don't, we don't know how to approach it. And because, and I mean, I'm coming at this from a positive standpoint, that, that I would like to give some ideas of how to positively approach it because it, it, it doesn't, because it, it is hurtful on, on both sides. You know, the people that are leaving, they're, they're hurt, you know, and the people that, that are left, they're hurt. And so how can we make that as little of a hurt as possible? I've always wished that we could institute an exit interview. Exit you know, survey. We, we have an inter, uh, we have an, in, an interview, an entrance interview, thank you. Well, we ought to have an exit interview because I'd like to leave on good terms as, as best as possible. We got to go.